Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the latest episode of Bibliscapes and Destruction. Today, I've got the great pleasure of being joined by Swindon-based artist, photographer, bookmaker, Joe Wright. Good evening, Joe. Good evening, Ewan. Lovely to see you again, or hear you, should I say. Yes, well, that's it. We can see each other virtually, but I think yeah. it's, been, it's been several years now since I uh, since I drove all the way down to Swindon for one of your 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 bookmaking workshops which was yeah fantastic experience we have a long drive but i do recall i think you you hold the record so far well other than the people that have flown in somebody came in flown in thrown from japan once for one of the workshops that that, that's quite a bit of dedication actually (laughs) but i i can i can wholly understand why having 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 been on one of them yeah great experience but uh, obviously we're here to talk about your latest book which is reimagined landscapes and hopefully uh, some of your other books i know as i was saying beforehand i get asked quite regularly about floods and but before we go on to talking about uh, all those good things it'd be great if you could give your give an introduction to yourself uh, for people who maybe don't know you yeah, no, of course. So um, I'm based in a large village, Perton, just outside Swindon. I've been here about 20 years, I think, probably. Uh, previous 10 years, I was actually in the, 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 the forces, so both the civilian and the armed forces, yep. moving around the country. And before that, um, I originally spent the first 18 years of my life in St. Nitz in Cambridgeshire um, from a very rural background kind of born and raised on a farm and spent a lot of time in on that sort of environment and in fact almost all of my life I've spent living in a rural location where I've tried to and spent a lot of time my um, outdoors so I'm I'm also the founder of JW Editions it, essentially it's a little press that I kind of publish and press that I set up to initially publish my own works but then since then I've expanded to publish other works from the likes of Al Bryden, um, and I'm pleased to say that I'm now working with Chris Friel again to Excellent. bring some of his work to oh, print. Fantastic. So, yep. So <laughs> I've just kind of put that out on social media to, tonight, just to see what sort of response we get for that. Um, I also kind of um, sell my prints through JW Editions as well, if if people are after any of my prints as such. And what I do there is kind of focus on perhaps slightly the different ranges of photo books, uh, kind of more artist-based editions yes. where I'm either combining hand-making techniques alongside commercial production methods of producing the kind of the pages and some of the materials and bringing them all together. Um, we'll talk a little bit about reimagined landscapes uh, as yep. an example a little bit later on for that. Um I also occasionally do workshops through JW Editions, uh, although there's been a brief hiatus for about 18 months, <laughs> two years, while, while the world's been going mad. <laughs> so, Indeed, that's so, it, yep. Yeah, so once this all settles down again, then I can start perhaps looking at doing those workshops. Um, and, and, and as you can see on this camera, I'm kind of sat in my little garden studio here, so I, potentially I can also start doing some more kind of well, start doing some one-to-one style to tuition as well for anybody who wants to make the journey to to North Wiltshire. <laughs> uh, but I still need to uh, work through the um, the mechanics on that one. Yeah. Um, I'm also the co-founder, one of the co-founders of Inside the Outside Collective. Yes. Um, so a photography collective that really kind of focuses on making work in in the landscape, not necessarily about the landscape, but it's kind of more perhaps individual and personal representations of of the the land around them both what what you see in the landscape as well as what you're kind of experiencing of being in the landscape at that that point in time we've been running now for about five years yeah yes right about our fifth anniversary this year Um, we've already amassed some approaching a hundred free to read articles on our website archive for people to kind of dive into to get some inspiration um, we, we feature a lot of work through our social media channels um, we've cu- kind of um, curated and held five exhibitions now of featured photographers work so we're you know we're very much actually probably more into promoting the work of others than Excellent. Yes. perhaps our, <clears throat> our own work per se um, so it 
I guess in terms of photographic interest, um, all of all all of my work is is made in the landscape. I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm a landscape photographer per se. It just happens that yes. that's where I make all of my work. Yeah. Um, uh, and the thing that kind of really floats my boat really is kind of creating stories based around subjects or narratives or yes. personal expression of, of being in the landscape. And that's often taken the form of either biographical work, autobiographical, uh, in some cases, um, documentary work. So it's kind of metaphorical. So it, it's, it's a whole kind of range and kit bag of different ways of perhaps approaching making work in the, the landscape yes uh, and then of course for the work that i think strong enough is then bringing that into Life. publication and print which is the bit that i especially enjoy absolutely and uh, yeah it's uh, you've got a number of uh, a number of publications of your own work um obviously including your most recent uh, one reimagined landscapes which i think you've been working on over probably the last 18 months since uh, lockdown really kicked off yeah so I, I guess that really came about from wanting to remain productive whilst not really being able to venture very far from my own back garden yes you know whilst i would kind of go out for a daily walk and living on in a village on the edge of the countryside fortuitous that i could kind of wander off into the, the fields and the woodlands but having something that I could just do on the back door, uh, on my back door step and perhaps try, use the opportunity to explore different ways of creating images based on photographic processes. Yes. So I started yep. to experiment a bit with cyanotypes. Yep. Um, and initially I was just making traditional cyanotypes, kind of using some of my um, film negatives and just printing those out. But that really wasn't achieving what I wanted to achieve. And it's okay. perhaps through a bit of a fortuitous accident, I mucked up one of the cyanotypes and I kind of liked <laughs> the effect that I got with it. Yes. So I, I then spent a couple of months exploring how I could manipulate the, um, the surface of the cyanotype using different, introducing different kind of mediums yes. um, into the, the cyanotype chemicals and manipulating the surface of the cyanotype and kind of using that to create abstract expressions of some of the events that were taking place at the time yeah uh, a, a lot of it around the kind of environmental issues the climatic issues that we're experiencing from climate warming so you know things like wild the wildfires in australia kind of the volcanic eruptions previously from the likes of Iceland and, yes, yeah. and kind of just using that to um, kind of have this opportunity to put into some sort of image form things that I didn't think that I'd be able to normally represent or even have the opportunity to represent in a literal photographic form. Absolutely, yes. Um, and that's really where that whole concept came about and the great thing about them was um, I could effectively just lay them out in the sun, let the sun do its thing to them yeah. um, and see how they evolved over time. Um, and that also allowed me to create sequences of images as the, as the cyanotype chemical was responding to the UV of the sunlight, Absolutely. it would change the tonality and the color of them. And then I was able to, create sequences of of prints yeah um from those as well yeah the, the the body of work for those who 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 haven't yet bought a copy it's a fantastic uh, it's a really fantastic collection of work um and you can really begin to see where all where there's the different patterns and textures that you, you've been working with but also the the range of tones that as you say they're kind of representing events such as the wildfires and such as the volcanic eruptions um, and I, I think it's I think it's yeah really really a really powerful 
a sequence of images, but it just shows you what also can be accomplished and what you can accomplish in the in the vicinity of your own back garden in terms of in terms of the work that you do actually just by working through the process and as you say you, you maybe came across the intended outcome by accident and um, but it's then having the ability to work and develop that and, and push it further to see to take it in the direction you want to and to represent the story that you're and the narrative you want to get across for the work yeah i mean so that's that's quite often the kind of the the happy accident of working with alternative processes <laughs> yeah. as these things can happen and you, and you can kind of build on them and almost, you know, kind of purposely explore them as well. Yeah. Uh, as much as I like producing literal kind right. of photocopied, pho you know, photography yes. in a sense, kind of playing around with these alternative processes to, if there's a particular narrative or story I want to explore, I don't, I, you know, I don't mind doing that. So yeah. Absolutely. And you can begin to see where it develops over time. You maybe go with no, with no preconception of what you're going to achieve, but when you actually begin to see some of the results come through, as in some of the work in the book, you can begin to see actually maybe ideas and mini stories within within that work developing that allows you to to then create sequences that, that work for the story and for the narrative as well. Yeah, I, it's a kind of a thread that I followed actually probably for a long time now with my photography i've i've got an ongoing series which i body of work which i don't think will probably ever end per se it's more of an exploratory foundational series okay. i've called it the nature of place it's really about trying to capture an image that i think fully represents a particular location that i'm in in at the time the way that i feel and and, and the way that it looks and so everywhere that I visit, woodlands, countryside, I'm always kind of looking to try and add to that collection. But yes. on a number of times, and the most notable one is the production of the the floods, um, is it can sometimes take you off a different avenue. So I, I remain open-minded when I'm creating the work, not to just necessarily focus on yes. that body of work. Is I, I allow my mind to stay open and to to explore these these other avenues and that's happened three or four times now off the base of this kind of foundational work yeah so i think that's you know people should should it kind of uh, allow their mind to remain open when they're working yeah to I'm you know to put you know to opportunities that are around them Absolutely. As you say, it's you can be working on a, on maybe a project, but uh, there might be something else that arises from from the output there that actually can can form another entirely separate, distinct project. And as you say, if we go into some things close-minded, then you potentially you potentially miss these opportunities. Whereas going in with an open mind, you, you might never finish the, the first project you started off, but you, you get taken down a different tangent that actually produces produces mm. a, a, a great body of work that wasn't the intended uh, intended outcome but actually it just gets a grip and gets hold of you and the, the narrative and the, the the story works well for it yeah absolutely and just coming back to reimagined landscapes i think what that body of work allowed for me was to explore a book a, a book form that i'd been wanting to put okay. more into a kind of a uh into uh, a commercial production method um, yes. okay yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd always wanted to create a concertina book and i do make a lot of concertina books just with smaller series of works yes hand making these and occasionally I might sell some of these yes. um and really i wanted what i wanted to do was see how i can actually scale up a handmade concertina book into okay. something people would a they enjoyed the work but also they wanted to perhaps have a, a handmade book yes. and try and make it affordable yes. uh, and trying to balance all of these elements and that's one of the things that I'm always doing with 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 my publications is trying to balance all of these factors yes to try and get a body of work in a in a book format that really complements you know the book and and make it affordable to people so uh, and the way that the reimagined landscapes produce series of images allow for me really was best represented in concertina form where you could 
open multiple pages to see a complete sequence from end to end. Yeah, I, absolutely. Um, I would totally, I totally agree with you. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm fortunate to have a copy of uh, said concertina book here. Thank and, you, Ewan. <laughs> and, and, and and because yeah, I, I think, uh, I, and as you say, it is. It's the ability to open up and have a look and and experience the the sets of the of the sequences that you've put together, one page after another after another. And but also longer see longer sets whereby you can have two or three of the different sequences and sets opened up as well, um, and it's a beautiful, beautiful handbound publication. Yeah. I, I can only imagine it must have taken quite some time to piece these all together. Yeah, well, that, that's the interesting bit. Is if you're just going to make a few handmade books, and here's here's a little trick: is it you can scale it up to a, a larger number, but you 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 in a sense employ production methods. Yes. So you you might. <laughs> print all of your pages first then you would crease and fold them all then you would produce all your hardback covers and cover them and you do a complete one stage for all the books at a time and then eventually it all comes together yes. if you try to make one book after another you're just repeating your effort yeah. time and time again I can, I, yeah um, i can imagine that would be a night, nightmare of a process and definitely one to uh, as you see do each element bit by bit and then the final the final jigsaw and the puzzles is sticking it all together yeah um, and hoping that it all although works. i'm not I'm not in a any great rush to do another one just yet <laughs> i can imagine i think i think you made 32 32 of them or yeah plus yeah. I, I everything about it the sleeves yes uh, for that as well doing all the prints for it yeah. um you know it's, it, it's a lot of work goes into it absolutely but it it, it it's a it's an art form and it's an experience in itself and we'll obviously talk a lot about your handmade books and and also the likes of the floods which i think was maybe one of the first ones whereby it's yes. a lovely a lovely stab and stitch japanese stab and stitch style book that i think is a couple of editions of um and again it's it, it just it just adds and it differentiates and separates out from so many of the other books that we all see yeah. that actually have the, the handmade element incorporated within yeah. it. Yeah, I think the, the other the other key thing, and it's also the same with reimagined landscapes, is that those bodies of works were conceived entirely by me. They were the work itself was made by me with the floods. It was with film in large format film. I developed that. I yes. scanned that. Um, I designed the concept of the book. Now, whilst the the pages were commercially printed yes. um, to make it practical to do the volume of them, um, you know, I did all the hand binding myself, selling, distributing. So yeah. literally that if somebody's got a copy of that book, they know that it effectively, essentially, it's almost like I've just handed it directly to them. Yes, absolutely. Um, and that's one of the elements that I... I kind of like is that kind of personal connection if somebody wants to invest in having some of my work. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, tot I totally agree. I, I'm, I'm personally a huge fan of your work. I really like the projects and the bodies of work that you've put together. Uh, Cubby's Tarns, another fantastic, another fantastic book. Obviously, it's um, a slightly bigger format, but again, it's it's been production detail the production qualities but the attention to detail in terms of the layout the design etc that um it comes across through your experiences of, of of making books and and for yourself and for other people um al bryden's work as well um, and obviously i'm sure chris's frail chris frail's new publication will be equally as good but i think your, your experience of of doing these things really comes across in terms of the quality of the work that you produce it's just just looking at the the concertina it's, it's just beautifully made beautifully thought out the whole process from start to finish and as you say you're doing every you're doing every stage of the element of the of the process yourself so you have total control and you're fully invested in it as well no absolutely um in terms i mean you mentioned cubby's town um from a personal perspective i think that's probably the most favorite body of work that I've ever produced. Yeah, okay. It's probably not the most notable or, or um, recognized body of work that I've produced, but 
purely from the fact that it was a, a deeply personal um, body of work yes. um, that that drove me to produce that. So it's in a sense, it's quite melancholic in okay. nature. Yes. Um, little different to perhaps the, the, the floods in, in that sense. Um, but I think we've, it's probably the same with everybody really. We've got our own, we've got our personal favorites and then we've got the work that perhaps other people in, uh, that enjoy that we produce which is co completely different it's just that you know the nature of the beast that well that uh, that's it there's always there always there's always personal work that you do that you maybe have a stronger emotional connection with than than you do others or 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 for whatever reason it's it's something that's uh, maybe just sits as more of a favorite with you but but as you say it's it's not necessarily the work that other people have yeah have, and it, it's not being afraid to kind of do these pieces of work and perhaps not get the, the the likes and the mentions Absolutely. you know yeah. from that you know it's about doing the, you know the work that makes you really happy and fascinates you and yes uh, and to, to some extent that's all that's all I do is I, I I don't think about necessarily what other people will think of the work yeah I, I kind of work on the basis that if I'm if I'm happy with it um, and I've enjoyed doing it and I've got across what you know the what I want from it yeah. then generally I think there's probably enough people I mean how many is seven and a half billion people in the world isn't there you know yeah. you, know, you need a fraction <laughs> of them to kind of <laughs> enjoy what you're doing yeah definitely um, so, yeah. and I'm interested to know where where did the, where did the passion and the interest for for handmade books come from or, or, I don't or, know. Or, I, was, or... I was thinking about that earlier today, actually. <laughs> um, I'm not sure I can necessarily um, kind of place that, but I think it it maybe just stem from you know a long history of kind of putting photographs into photo albums. You know, when when the only way that you could see the images you've taken was to get them printed and to put them into albums. Now, that obviously immediately dates me to some extent but <laughs> and um and then with the introduction of digital there, there seemed to be some sort of dark hole in my um in my collection of of photography um so i started to print out my digital images um and started to gather them together into simple albums again and then that kind of then led to exploring different ways of gathering them up yeah. kind of sequencing how i might want to present them um and i think somewhere along the lines i i must have seen a book somewhere um which used simple binding techniques like the kind of the japanese stab bind and started to Experience. do that myself uh, and then it, just exploring using other book forms concertina book form and, and such like um and then just generally became more interested it kind of enjoying the craft element absolutely i know, I know exactly as... i know exactly what you mean i find it very enjoyable very therapeutic particularly therapeutic actually yes, to, yeah. to spend time in oh, when it's totally different from the day job to spend time in the evenings maybe over the course of three evenings putting constructing together something that uh I mess up several times because I cut something too short or blew it, blew it around the wrong way. But it's, but but it's still it's still a very enjoyable process, and you feel as though you've actually made something come come the output, and you've got an opportunity to present your work, even if it's just for yeah. yourself. Yeah, and I think then over the past few years, the the availability of um, kind of print on demand services, the likes of Mixam and you love print for example yes. where you can quite quickly and simply and, and at low cost produce small publications zines and booklets and those sorts of things yes. um kind of opens up things an awful lot more um and you know, something like the floods i could now do just simply using one of these online demand printers to print the pages for me and then i source the other materials and, and bind the whole thing up so you you get the best of both worlds now 
um, yes. access to materials to hand make books and then the commercial printing at, at low cost for high you know fairly small volume yeah. becomes available and normally you'd have to work with a commercial printer yes you know and looking at runs of 500 books you know to get the thing even affordable which just really is impractical to a lot of people yeah absolutely it's uh, now as you see with the likes of mixam you love print xyz and, and all mm. the others out there it, it's opened up a whole new a range of possibilities for people who are looking to self-publish their work um, either purely through zine or small book format or, or as as you suggested there the ability to to get something commercially printed but then just add that handmade touch that, that just just differentiates it and gives it some personality and allows you to allows you to put your own touch on it it's floods as it floods is a, is a beautiful and a brilliant example of that where something's been commercially printed but it the whole experience of floods is is dramatically changed by by the beautiful stab binding that, that you've applied to it thank you yeah so i Perhaps I should be starting about a re thinking about a reprint on that, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, sh I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure a reprint of Floods would go down particularly well. Uh, regularly get asked where you get copies of Floods, and the simple answer is you can't buy flood no, copies. Of, yeah. can't, can't buy copies of Floods because I've never known anyone who'd probably want to sell you a copy of Floods, and unless someone has got a Sunday Best, uh, which I very much probably does exist out there, but uh, but uh, but also you you work with a lot of other photographers and artists as well and th that must be a, a, a rewarding experience in a very different way to bring someone else's work yes. to life yeah yeah no absolutely and, I, and i'm i'm really selective only kind of looking at work that i i enjoy but also yes. i think fits the ethos of the books that i publish so i'm particularly in and that's why i've kind of worked with al with his solographs yes yeah I've and, and Chris Friel before with his book after and now the the one that I'm working on anecdotes is the nature of that work um, I think lends itself to slightly different book form than perhaps just presenting a series of photographs uh, in, in a container per se um, so the the I kind of the idea being is to try and bring together the photographic work um, and the book form together to elevate the body of work um, to, to another level. Yep. Ooh, that sounds um, and I know, you know, there's, there's purists that think, you know, photographs should just be in a quite simple book and it should be nothing about the photographs. But on, on the other hand, you've got, people that produce books where the book itself is the object Absolutely. Uh, and, and the photographs are there just to fill the pages. So I, I kind of sit somewhere in the middle yes. trying to bring the two together. And to me, there's certain bodies of work, the likes of perhaps that Chris Friel produces that are very creative, abstract that lend themselves to doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh... I think that'll be a great, it'll be really interesting to see how, how you present that body of work in, in, in physical form. Because as you say, I think there's probably quite a few different routes that you could look at and explore and work with to, to really combine the, the physical artifact element of, of like an artist's book with, with something that's more, more of your traditional style. Um, and yeah, I think that, that will be a great, uh, great project to look forward to. And obviously you've worked with Owl, uh, owl quite a bit as well and yeah it's really interesting to see how you, how you can apply your your knowledge to, to other people's work as well and, and they benefit from from your experiences um of, of making books and publishing books as well yeah yeah I, I guess having inside the outsiders um there as well yes. it is it is another opportunity to design and, and publish were uh, books yeah it's a thing you've done a on behalf of inside yeah. the outside so doing the kind of the design and yes. publication of the zines and and the most recently the our first journal yes. which i think was very well received i quite like that format um you know kind of 
setting setting people a, a task almost to yeah, to create work around a particular topic or, or narrative that's particularly timely and then bringing that together into a journalistic form to create a, a, a story well that, that's yeah. it and, and you and when you're bringing together so many different photographers and artists as well you, you really get a, a such a wide spectrum of of perspectives from from all these different uh, from all the different photographers who are contributing a similar theme but with their own take on it and i think they do make for really insightful and interesting publications thank you yeah but uh, but no it's 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 great to see the book form really being of interest to people and you talk about artist books as well and you see some people who are making the one-off standalone books but it's that mm. it's what's really interesting is to see you're kind of bringing that to a, a larger a larger edition size for a, a larger run as yeah. opposed to just having maybe a selection of four or five to to actually be able to bring it to an edition of i think it was 32 yeah. And, and, and your other editions as well, um, I think really just shows that there's a lot of demand and a lot of interest for these, for, for, for something that stands out ever so slightly. And, and people remember the, the tactile details of it, because that's, that's what it is when you're looking through a book. It's, it's as much about the, the experience of sitting down with a book as well as the, the images within a book as well, certainly from my perspective, particularly when it comes to something that's uh, m- maybe more handmade, a finer paper choice selection and and the time and the attention to detail that's going into the likes of binding it together as well you you remember these small things mm. i guess one of i think one of the most positive things that i've been able to get out of um hand making books and, and and publishing books per se is is kind of reading sequences of images um yes. And bringing together bodies of work in a way that it, you know, creates a cohesive narrative. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's the sequence that makes or breaks a book. Yeah. Um, both thinking about it, you know, reading it from front to back and and and, and back to front, and I think is absolutely key to a successful um, photography book. Yeah, it is the sequence, and yeah. I've. I think um, so. For Cubby's Tarn, I think it took me six months to to final <laughs> to to finalise that. And it, if anything, kind of printing your work and perhaps tinkering with doing a very simple handmade book actually allows you to kind of do to do the sequencing in a way that allows you to spread images out, look at the. the the sets of works that you've got in its entirety rather than trying to flick through images on a screen and, uh, and and sort them out. And whilst you can do some pre-sifting like that, my preferred method ultimately is to print out some playing card size images. And I've got a, a cork board here in my little kind of garden studio, um, which I'll stick them up on. Uh, and, and that way, every time you're walking by, you can have a glance and, Thing, over time things start to make sense yes so you, if they're not making sense on day one you know you can come back to them yeah. and you've not had to put them away in a cupboard yeah. and bring them out again and start all over again and that's it either sticking them on a cork board or, or originally i was sticking these things up with some blue tack on the wall <laughs> and, yeah. and doing it that way and i think make, making your making your own book even if it's a handmade one or a little kind of zine through one of these online, you know, print on demand suppliers. And you don't even have to kind of sell, sell them is, is the experience of the sequence. And that I'm sure will help everybody enormously in the way that they look at their work moving forward um, and help them perhaps develop a, a signature style they might recognize yes. patterns in their work yeah uh, and such like yeah def- definitely from when i did from when i did the workshop with you and many years ago now i would say one of the one of the one of the best 
most enjoyable parts and most beneficial parts for me was was looking at the sequencing because you really you, you begin to look at your work in a very different 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 way but also when I was looking at it with a small group of people as well everyone's you immediately see how everyone spots different patterns different sequences different sets within your work that you've either just not seen or you've kind of maybe dismissed or 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 whatever or whatever it is and and it's a great way to begin to look and see things differently in your own work and for absolutely me, yeah. for, for me it's also it's also kind of changed my approach to going out when when I have when I have opportunities to go out with the camera in terms of that I now begin to look in sequences and sets and and building up wee small mini series that might be images from all over the place here there and everywhere but I'm as opposed to looking for just going out specifically looking for one shot I'm I'm now more content if I can come back with actually well I've, I've maybe got a group of five images that actually I think will work really nicely all together and it might only be a set of five but it, it actually means a lot more to me and it's, it's I think it's for me it gives me far more purpose and far more enjoyment and yeah I mean think if you if you're working on a project basis yes it really does help you focus yeah. you know you you kind of as you start to produce the bodies of work you start to recognize perhaps where the gaps in the work Yes. to complete the the project rather than just going out and, and taking lots of images and then trying to make sense of it afterwards yeah. a viable method maybe but yeah. you can perhaps save yourself time and energy particularly if you're if you're kind of time strapped and yeah. you, you know and perhaps the you can't get access to the areas that you you want to do a project as often as you want so that that helps you then focus in on the on the the kind of the subject or the image that you want to to create and quite quite often uh, you know i've 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 walked past literally hundreds of of images that i've could have taken um but i simply haven't done that because i i'd not say that i didn't need them um but they didn't really fit the, the body of work um, and they would just be orphan images that I would probably never do anything with. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and particularly it's also... if you're working with film. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can, I large can 10 by 8 large format yeah. film, trust me, you you think twice about pressing that shutter. Yeah, I'm, su- I'm sure. I'm sure you think far more, far more than twice about pressing the shutter, or certainly being strategic. I would certainly, cer- certainly be thinking a long, long time before I press the shutter and yeah. expend, <laughs> expend more money. But it's all—it's also a great way to look when you're looking through your images when you've got them printed out. Being able to, I always remember you you saying it's it's the ability to be able to throw away your favorite image that you know, um, it just doesn't form part of the set. Yeah, and I, I can honestly say all the books that i've published none of them have probably got my favorite image from that series in it yes yeah because it they it just jars so much with the narrative that it just throws the whole story out of kilter and as you say sometimes you've got to be brave to throw those favorites out and it's also when if when you get uh, when you get someone else to give you a second opinion of 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 your your sequence or whatever whatever you're working on and you might know that well you cut they come back and tell you this image doesn't sit particularly well and and it's an image that you know probably doesn't sit particularly well but you're so desperately keen to have it stay in that you, that you leave it in and then it's been able to see all these these patterns and and things that just as you say slightly jar but i like you i don't i don't have a fancy cork board and um, but i do like to print out images as wee small square contacts and lay them out on yeah. on a mat because it is it's every time you're passing by something just jumps out if it's not quite right um and it's much easier looking at them on on paper than it is flicking through them on on screen where you might not quite see it. It's it's something that's just quite enjoyable to have a look, and then you come back one day and the wife has switched them around or something like that, and you're not quite sure why they're in, <laughs> why, why they're in a different order. Well, although to be fair, I think my wife has probably got a better eye for my work yeah, than I have. So I, I would I would tend to. Agree. I, I think I think that I think that's definitely the case in in my in my instance. But uh, but it's good. It's it's. And again, for me, I, I find a, an enjoyable part of the process, looking at sequence, looking at uh, looking at how your work looks when it's when it's all laid out side by side, and you can begin to spot where 
where where where nice sets exist. Um, and I, I think I just the more you do these things, the better the better you become at them. Yeah, and I guess one of my book choices, um, and I've chosen really, really because it's about sequences. Very um, Ooh, interesting. And that's um, Minor White. Yep. Um, yep. I'm not sure how many people know about the work of Minor White, but um, uh, and the particular book that my, my favourite is um, Mirrors, Messages and Manifestations. It's I think been, it was... been mentioned a few times. Yes. So, um, you know, Minor White, was inspired a great deal by the work of Stieglitz and his equivalences. Um, And he kind of developed that concept into his work set around sequences, small numbers of kind of half a dozen to 10 images that are brought together in in a particular sequence. Um, So I would absolutely recommend anybody, even if it's one of the more recent publications, featuring minor white to kind of look at that work and, and study that work yeah. if they're if they're kind of really struggling to how they perhaps should be looking at their work or different ways of looking at their work okay. um and then it's also the subject matter itself which i absolutely love um and I, i'm kind of very much interested um in work that causes me to to um, look at things differently, not, uh, and I guess the one of the, the most quoted sayings from Minor White himself is, and I'll quote this now: "Is one should not only photograph things for what they are, but what else, but for what else they are." Yeah. So you're photographing the literal subject but the way that you present that subject, i.e. what you exclude from the images, causes you to look at that in a different way uh, and perhaps present or generate some sort of um, response that would be different necessarily to just looking at the subject for for what it is. And, um, uh, And I really love that sort of work, work that kind of really makes you engage your mind um, uh, and kind of creates that emotional response perhaps. Um, So I'd highly recommend anybody looking at minor works, minor white's work. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Any of those publications. I do. I'm going to say, I'm sure you're familiar with his work. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's he's certainly someone who's mentioned uh, quite regularly by on the podcast as well. A lot of people, a lot of people seem to like his work um, and take a lot from it. And and, and as you say, like yourself, I, I like the I like the fact that uh, there's he's he's asking the he's asking the viewer the question as well. So it's not it's not yes. just te- it's not just telling you what the answer is it's it allows your your own mind to do some thinking for itself which which for me is something i, I really enjoy in 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 other people's work and bodies of work as well i, th- I think it, i think it really yeah i mean in a, sim- a similar vein more modern i say modern work but the work of john blakemore as well so yes. yeah. you, you, you could say loosely that john might be a, a <clears throat> an equivalent of my <laughs> Use a pun of, of minor to it's certainly in some of John's work, like the wounds of trees, for example. Yeah, um, would be a good example, but yeah, so that, that would be one of my kind of book choices. What, what, uh, what are your other book choices? It's something I'm, I'm always very interested to hear. Yes, okay, so I've, I've got it's quite a challenge, isn't it? Trying to pick out it, it a is, few of these, it is a challenge, it's meant to be a challenge. Um, yeah. <laughs> if, if it was, as I say to people, if it was ten books, it would still be a challenge. It would just be a more expensive end result for everyone who's sitting there yeah. listening, wondering what books is someone going to recommend. And I, fortunately, my camera is pointed, so you can't actually see my bookshelves. Otherwise, uh, you would half the studio is is full of books. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I absolutely as much as I love kind of making my own books, I, I, I perhaps I love even more. Um, 
looking and viewing at photography based books as well and not yeah. not just about landscape about a lot of subjects yeah. as well as other work painting sculpture yeah. just the whole kind of artistic field really yeah. uh, i find inspirational so another book that i've chosen um dates to 1962 so i'm, I'm going back a bit it's um in wildness is the preservation of the world by Elliot Porter. I'm a huge fan of Elliot Porter's work. Um, and this is from a series of um, large format coffee table books that were produced by the Sierra Club. Um, and in the same vein, there's another complementary series of books produced by Friends of the Earth. Okay. Now, Sierra Club was an organization founded um, in the late 19th century um and the found their work effectively led to the creation of yosemite as a national park um and they went on and kind of pioneered a lot of conservation work that led to the, the creation of many more national parks in in the united states and in the 1960s they then started to produce photographic books right um and these are absolutely about the landscape and but they're driven from a specific purpose of raising awareness okay. um, of wilderness areas that still existed in the united states and right. championing then the kind of conservation of those areas um, and my particular favorite one from the series is is the work by elliot porter yeah. um, and if people are familiar with Elliot's work, he's produced a huge body of work. Um, and what I particularly like about Elliot's work is when I look at the images, it's almost as I am looking through his eyes because yeah. it's absolutely the sort of work that I resonate with. And I often produce myself when I'm out, things like the floods or yes. the nature of place, for example, they have a very, I, th I think they have a kind of a similar viewpoint and approach uh, and yeah. to the subject matter of, of the landscape, the woodlands, yeah. um, the wider countryside and, and such like. Um, and it's that. kind of one of my go-to books. Excellent. If mm. I'm kind of looking to get back into the woodlands yeah. to start producing work. Um, they're really quite difficult to track down these books now. I've had to import most of mine from the States, but I've, I think there's nearly 30 in all. I've got about 25. So there's, there's a few. Five still to five, five or so to still collect. And the, yes. Yeah. Know. But you, you can pick up some, I, I've, I go for all of the larger coffee table ones, Yes. but you can pick, they do, they did do a range of smaller softback okay. copies, which yep. are perhaps a little bit easier to pick up in the UK. Yes. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd certainly recommend anything by Elliot Porter. And if anybody can track down this particular one in wildness as a preservation of the world, um, mm -hmm. I would, I would recommend that also perhaps nature's chaos, but so that's my second choice. Very good. I, I, you, I mean, are you familiar with Elliot's work? Yes. Again? Yeah. I know. I know bits of Elliot's work. I don't have that particular book, but yeah, I'm, I'm very much aware of it. Um, and again, he's he's someone else who I've had various discussions with in the podcast from from people who who resonate very strongly with his work. Um, but no, it's it's always a you, a great thing from doing these podcasts is it's, it really opens you up to so many other yes other photographers and artists. Um, even though you maybe don't necessarily pick up all the books, you do. Be, I do begin to explore more and more work and. Once once you start doing that, okay, you can do it online fairly easily. It then leads you down the garden path, and before long, I've got like ten tabs open along the top of the browser, <laughs> and I'm just exploring new and different photographers and artists. And from that point of view, it's great because yeah, you, you everyone comes at it with a different perspective, a different interests, and and it, it's kind of the benefit of doing these is you kind of get it all pulled together into into one sort of thing so it's been great from that perspective and yeah yeah i, I think the elliot is one of those classic yeah um 
photographers that works in the landscape and I, I see a lot of modern work being created now and I'm thinking you know that's absolutely of the of the ilk of uh, uh, of Elliot yes and I think if people were to look at some of this earlier work um, I think they would certainly enjoy it and perhaps see where the foundations of where a lot of landscape photography perhaps yes. was born from yeah. stem from from the from the work of these american photographers yeah so the next choice then is the meadow by barbara bosworth um so perhaps a, a another obscure selection yeah. um and i've picked this particular one because again it follows another method of or practice of approaching the subject that I like to do which is also is almost an obsessional approach to a single subject and visiting it and revisiting it continually uh, until you kind of work past perhaps the obvious imagery to uh, and working through to the true nature of the particular subject itself and what barbara did um over a period of a decade was effectively to photograph and visit a single small meadow in the um the massachusetts countryside right um and then she invited um a number of botanists entomologists naturalists um historians to contribute to the work and kind of fully expand the body of work not just it being about the photograph in the meadow but kind of exploring it from every single angle not just photographically and bringing this into what is a fabulous um body of a beautifully produced book um well i've just checked on the website today it's sold out so you'll be looking around for second-hand copies um and and this this is an approach that I used um, for one of my series, which no waste but so vacant, which is over a period of a couple of years, I continually visited a small piece of waste farming land. Okay. Um, just to see how it developed over the over the seasons, and I just enjoyed that practice of going back somewhere time and time again, just almost forcing myself to. Look do. at it differently. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it looks. It's something I'll take a look at because, yeah, I think they make they can make great projects, and it, you begin to see things differently when you're, re, as you say, when you're revisiting the same place over and over again, it becomes so common, so familiar that it's the unusual that you begin to see in the the, the different viewpoints that you yes. would, you've you've not seen before that now actually that's what your eyes drawn to. Yeah, and. One of the things I enjoy in my work is also to base photographic work around perhaps stories in the landscape that have existed over time. So doing deep research into what happened in the landscape beforehand and building the narrative around there. And one of my passions is kind of history in the landscape, how society has altered the landscape. Yes. Also fascinated by the origin of place names and things like that and where i am today used to be part of a royal forest um and my my long-term project the lost forest been running seven years now is is a kind of a is a piece of work that as and when i've got the time nothing else going on another work i can kind of continue to develop that one yeah pick up um and, and it's been built up over six chapters so far how on earth I'm going to put it all into publication? I don't know, but um, I just love that. You know, love that kind of the ability to be able to research the subject as well as then to use that research as the basis of kind of creating a body of work. Yeah. So it has a kind of a a, a story to it. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds. It's. I'm sure you've mentioned that project before, but. Uh, yeah, it, it sounds it sounds really quite fascinating, and it, it gives a bit of the, the the background, the research gives a bit of context, adds a bit of context to to the the, the work and the photographs as well. So my my final and fourth choice then is 
this comes about because it's the the subject is probably one of my most favorite places on earth which is the lake district right i've been visiting the lake district ever since i was a small child it's almost become a, a second home um uh, and this body of work to me is by far and away the the, the the piece of work that resonates most to me around what the Lake District is all about from a kind of a photographer's eyes. Okay. Although the 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 couple that produced it weren't photographers, they were they were painters. Right. Uh, and they 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 adopted photography for this particular body of work, and that's okay. called Landscape for the Imagination. And that's Angie and David Unsworth. Ooh, now they they were based in um, Grasmere um, for quite a while, and they limited themselves to a five mile radius of Grasmere to produce this body of work, working with ten by eight large format cameras, um, and effectively explored every inch that within that five mile radius to produce um, just some exquisite imagery uh, of, of, the, of the Lake District. Um, Fantastic. It's, again, it's one of my go-to books. Um, you know, if, if I want to kind of look at that particular area yeah. and that style and approaching uh, photography. So again, I'd, I'd recommend anybody track that down. Excellent. If they can get hold of a copy. Well, the, the beauty of doing these podcasts is I generally get a couple of weeks head start <laughs> before, before it goes out to the world. So um, I'll That's a bit it. cheeky. Now, I, I do know it, it did sell out. Um, and any remaining copies that I did have, unfortunately, got destroyed in a warehouse fire. Oh, dear. So it, it could be a bit of a rarity. So you probably need to use your two-week head start yeah, to try and, try and crack it. Crack down a copy. I think I'll definitely use my two-week head start wisely. Um, but uh, no, some fantastic selections there, uh, Joe, and I'm, I'm, I will definitely be spending some time taking a look. I'm not going to look too hard for the meadow because I've been on it and seen that it sold out at $500. So I can only yeah. imagine that yeah. uh, even to pick up a second-hand copy will cost me somewhat more than $500 to, to, to buy, which uh, I'll have to admire it online for the time being. Yeah. <laughs> well, you might perhaps you might find somebody in a local area that will uh, lend it to. Who knows? Well, well that that's it. It's, you can always you can always hope. Um, but uh, but no, it's it's great. It's great to hear someone else and to hear other people talk passionately about the books that interest them and and their go to books when they want a bit of motivation or just to just to get some fresh fresh inspiration as well and. Um, what what are your what are your plans for your future work? Obviously, you're going to be working with Chris on a new publication of sorts. Yeah, so I'm I'm working on that one now. So the the intent is to start pre-orders this month, December, for that particular one. So quite well advanced in that. Excellent. I've kind of moved to I've moved to a point now where I don't tend to go to pre-orders until the the book is pretty much ready to print. Very good. Um, yep. I don't like to hold on to people's money for a long period of time yeah um now in terms of my own work i'm working on another little collaboration with the guys in the inside the outside collective yeah excellent um, kind of a little project going on there which will take us through the the winter uh, and then i'm going to continue to work on my lost forest lost forest project cool. Very good. so there's things that i want to pick up for there so it'd be an opportunity to get out with my large format cameras again very good um which i'm very much looking forward to yeah i After can a imagine bit of a break, break for 18 months and get that particular body of work finished um and i'm sure something else will come along in the meantime I, as I it invariably have, I does have, <laughs> i would imagine so it sounds like you're going to be kept pretty busy regardless which um but it's always nice to have different things to keep to keep it going yeah. as opposed to I've, I've generally got two or three things on the go at any one time because particularly photographic wise is depending on the conditions and the time in my availability and everything I've there's always something that I can kind of dip into and progress yes based on what I've got going on on a 
particular time. Um, So, you know, that's the way that I kind of like to work moving forward. Yeah, best way. But uh, but on that note, Joe, just really to say thank you very much for your time this evening. It has been an absolute pleasure uh, chatting to you about uh, your work, Reimagine Landscapes, uh, all your beautiful photo books, your love of photo books, and uh, also to hear a bit about what you're working on in the future. So I'd just like to say thank you very much and uh, i hope to hope to see you doing some workshops again and uh, maybe one in glasgow would be quite good if you fancy who knows yeah who knows um if not um i might make the trip down to swindon again but uh, <laughs> we'll see about that but no yeah it's been a pleasure talking to you and it just thank you thank you very much for your time joe no thank you it's been a real pleasure nice to see you again likewise excellent thanks joe cheers <laughs>